now it's gardening talkback for our sponsor sharp city gardener new home 324 derby street newcastle call now 49216216. Welcome to Gardening Talk back on a Monday afternoon. Greg Richard here, joined by Scott Sharp. Scott, great to see you once again. Great to see you. That doesn't sound as enthusiastic as I was. No, well, look, I, I just had to work. For some reason, I stumbled in, but my, my thoughts were there. My, my The intentions were good. Right. A little bit nervous for your Monday. Oh, very nervous. I've been nervous for all weekend about doing this. <laughs> what do you got planned for us today, Scott? I thought we'd talk about spider lilies because they're out and they're my most favourite plant. Okay. Yes. Uh, petunia hot lips. Yep. yep. I thought that would be your favourite plant. No, no. Well, actually, the other reason I thought we might talk about it is because uh, Charles Winchester from MASH unfortunately yep. passed away. Oh, okay. Yeah, over the weekend. And uh, zebra plants as well. Oh, and finished with zebra. A bit of black and white at the end. Yeah, so it's almost an all-animal theme. Theme, yeah. And there's not as many spiders around this year. I wonder if anyone knows why. Isn't there? I reckon you'd be surprised there might be a few. Uh, not around my place. All right. So we've got Tom from Aberglassen, and he needs advice about relaying some turf. Hey, Good Tom. afternoon. Good hey. afternoon. Um, I've got at the top of three steps uh, an exposed area. We're babysitting two dogs and they've worn away the, the grass that's above that. When it rains, of course, the water just pours down with the dirt. I want to lay about two to three metres of turf. Do I dig out the dirt that's there and set the turf in or do I just put the turf on top? No, you, re- you really should set the turf back in. Uh, so, yeah, dig it out. And, and look, digging it out also breaks it up as, a bit if it's, you know, if it's a little bit compacted, uh, you know, from where you've been walking. Uh, yeah, it, breaking it up will just, uh, you know, aerate it a little bit and then lay the turf over that. Uh, and then just plenty of water. Great. Okay, thanks very much for okay, your help. Okay, not a problem. Nice, easy solve there. Thanks for that, Tom. Thanks. Cheers. Bye-bye. Quick start. Quick start. That's what we like. That's like, yeah. But uh, well, how come... When you like horses get out a quick start, yeah, and they're out in front. Why do they lose? Like, it's all this all the same distance. I don't know Bruce from Bonnell's Bay might know about that. I'm not quite sure why. I'm, I'm actually I'm, I'm sure why, but I'm not sure if I should go into the increase. Let's not go into that racing. right now. Let's keep talking <laughs> about plants. <laughs> We've got Bruce from Bonnell's Bay, and he's got a question about Western Australian flowering gum. How can we help you, Bruce? Uh, yes, Scotty. Uh, yeah, we've got a, a dwarf. One, the dwarf one, is beautiful flowering one. It usually flowers just before Christmas. Yes. But at the moment, it's got that many buds and flowers coming out on it. Is that because of all that extreme hot weather we had, or, or, or will I get two flowerings this year? No, look, I think you'll probably just get the one. I suspect it's probably been a little bit too scared to, uh, you know, pop its head out the front door prior to Christmas with all the heat, you know, and the, and the lack yeah. of rain. Oh, it? It, it did flower. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it, it did flower. Uh, like October, November, yes, it flowered then, big flowering. Oh, so you got some good flowers out of it, did you? Oh, yes, yeah, okay. yeah but, but all of a sudden, it, uh, with all these uh, buds coming on and some are opened up and some aren't, it, it's not as many as it has at Christmas yeah. time, of course, but that'd be that extreme heat would have brought it on, would it? Or? Yeah, well, look, it does sound like you are going to get a second flush in that case. Uh, look, Bruce, most plants actually do have a second flush of flowers, so, you know, hydrangeas, azaleas, you know, pretty much anything. They will have, you know, that initial big burst. You know, there must be triggers there in the, in the uh, environment, in the atmosphere that make them go off and flower. And then generally after then, they will have a secondary flower, but it's, it's always, you know, much less. 
than uh, you know that that initial one. Uh, look, I guess an exception to the rule with that is roses, but that's uh, largely because because we can uh, you know give them a prune back and give them a bit of a tidy up. But uh, yeah, look, uh, you sound like you're going to get that second flush, and they certainly are a beautiful plant. Uh, where have you got? Have you got it in a nice, well-drained spot, mate? It's out, it's out in the front garden facing north-east, mm-hmm. facing north-east, and it's, oh, actually it's in a very big pot. Oh, okay. But, uh, but of course the roots would be at the bottom of the pot now, and it, it's got, got a lot of big gum nuts on it too from before. Yeah, so, so if, yeah. if anyone's trying to grow, uh, you know, those Western Australian gums, you do have to have a really well-drained spot for them. They hate wet feet. They hate clay. Uh, you know, you never give them cow manure or anything like that uh, as a fertiliser. If you can, you know, try and get some good sandy soil in, some sandy loam, something that's going to, you yeah, know, right. get rid yeah, of the, been, the water away from the root system. Yeah, we spend a lot of time over in Western Australia, and uh, I have tried growing some of their other plants, but... They're very, very hard, especially their Christmas tree. You'd never, you'd never grow one of them. Yeah, and, and look, I think that comes down to the humidity. Uh, so you've got the bright red gum, though, mate, because there's so many different... No, no, ours the orange one. Oh, okay, cause, and there's the beautiful sort of pinky, uh, magenta-coloured one as well. So there's, That's right, yeah. the white one. Oh, there's many colours here. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, so look, a, a really good little tree, uh, you know, only 10 metres tall, so they're not big. You can plant them under the telegraph, you know, under the power wires. We'll still call them telegraph wires. Yeah, they're only about 10 metres high. That's all these the dwarf ones. They're a beautiful plant. I think I, I bought it a fair few years ago. I think it cost me $80 then. Yeah, look, they're, they're, a, they're never cheap. So, yeah, don't expect to get a bargain with them because they're... Oh, no, no. Yeah. no they're, <laughs> they're a, gra- they're a grafted plant. They're actually grafted onto a, onto a more resilient rootstock to grow over here in the eastern uh, states and keep them dwarf. Right. Yeah. Yep. Oh, thank you very much, okay. Scott. Thank not you. A, not a problem, Bruce. You have a nice afternoon. Bye-bye. Thanks, mate. Bye-bye. Julie on the line. She's got a question about the Lebanese cucumber. How can we help you, Julie? Oh, Scott, it looks it looks okay, except when you turn the leaf over and it's got all these little brown goobers all over it, little brown, like the size of thrits. Ah, so they have got little insects in under there, have they? Oh, they've got millions of the little boogers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, you want to get rid of them? Oh, please. Yeah. They're making the rust come on the leaves and then I'm just cutting them off. Yeah, that might not be making the rust come on the leaves. It might be that you're actually going to have to do two things in that case if you're starting to get a bit of rust on there. Uh, I'd be using a fungicide as well. And yep. uh, yeah, so, and look, it's always best to use it early with cucumbers rather than letting it, you know, onset because it's very hard to get rid of once it's there. Um, but as far as the little insects go, uh, you're probably going to have to use uh, like a pyrethrum spray. Oh, okay. And, and just generally spray that around. Uh, you know, if you can lift some of the leaves up and get the spray in under there, do that. Uh, but look, that's probably the safest thing to do. Oh, yeah. all right. Because, yeah, look, the, the, I don't want you sort of going and using um, systemic insecticides, you know, like Comfidor. No, um, yeah. no, I'd rather use something that was organic, actually. Yeah, so use the pyrethrum spray in that case. That's the safest way to do it. Um, look, just lift the, each leaf up where they actually are, give them a good old spray. And uh, that should get rid of them for you. But then get a cop- get a copper spray or Mancozet Plus, uh, one of those fungicides, and just start applying that as well. Great. I've got one more question Absolutely, for you. I've yeah. got it. I grew a couple of big sunflowers. I mean, I put twenty seeds in, and I got two. Mm-hmm. And how do I dry them out? Uh, so now the easiest way to do that, or and I was going to say. Uh, 
you know, the, the old way used to be to get a, a paper bag and put it over it, but the head of a sunflower is probably going to be a little bit big for that, isn't it? So It's about the dinner plate size. Yeah, dinner plate size. So it's quite one of the large ones. I'll just let, you know, wait until all the, uh, you know, the yellow petals start to fall off. And you they've can, done that. Uh, they've done that. So you can start, you can see the seeds starting to form. Yes. Okay, so you probably need to take that out now. And uh, you need to keep it in a nice, dry, cool spot to let those dry out, uh, you know, under the veranda or something, you know, where they can get a little bit of sun, but no moisture or anything landing on them now. And so you don't want them in a warm area, you want them in a cool area? Uh, well, in a, in a dry area is the most important thing. Okay, I've yeah. got a sunroom I can put them in. Oh, yeah, that'd be perfect, actually, because it will warm them up. Like I said, on a veranda, that you know, that's all, also yep. a good spot where they get some sun in the afternoon, perhaps. But uh, if you've yep. got a sunroom, that'd be fantastic. Uh, look, you can put the head of... Uh, you could really... Uh, I was thinking about, like, getting an old colander, you know, like a sieve, where the yeah. air is going to circulate up through that as well, and you won't get, you know, it's sitting anywhere and any rotting or anything like that. So, And then you can just put the head of that sunflower in the sieve and let it dry out there. I was just going to cut it off at the because it's still on the the whole stem. Mm-hmm. I was going to cut it short off the stem and just lay it on its back. Yeah, that that that's about the right thing. Oh, and like I said, if you um if you've got an old colander, you could stick it in that just to help the air circulating around. Great. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you for that, Julie. Thanks. Have a nice Bye. afternoon. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Well, we've got Donna from a Cameron Park, and she's got a question about citrus trees. Yeah, the old citrus tree. How can we help you with the yeah. Donna? Um, I've actually got several. I have a cup of lime, a lime, a lemon, a mandarin, and an orange tree. They're all in pots. Yes. Um, and I've like they're not close together, but um, I have a problem with on the back of the leaves. It looks like um, a snail tail type oh. thing, and I have been spraying them with that. What you said to that lady before, correct? Room, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and I've actually been cutting the leaves off the tree. Yes. But um, one, I was wondering how do how do, do you get that, and what is the best way to stop it from coming back? Because I've actually sprayed numerous times and cut the leaves off numerous times. Yeah. Okay. So look, what what you've actually got there, and I, and it hasn't been as prevalent this year as some other years. And I think that's yep. because of the heat that we've had. We haven't seen a lot of new growth on the citrus trees. And it's called citrus leaf miner. Now, what it actually right. is, is a little moth comes along. It lays its eggs on the fresh new growth of your citrus. And it's yep. nice and soft. The membranes haven't hardened up yet. And the eggs hatch out. And the little sort of weevily thing that you're seeing is actually in between yep. the membranes of the leaves. And they sort of tra- they track around in there, and effectively they kill the leaf by tracking around. They just disrupt the you know the flow of nutrients and moisture through there. So rather than pyrethrum, the uh, the uh, thing you have to use is a is a spray called Eco Oil. Now it's completely natural, so there's nothing to be worried about using it. And what it does is it puts a protective coating. Uh, over the leaf of the plant. So the moth lays there and it goes, oh, I don't like the taste of this. Um, you know, it doesn't feel good. And so it doesn't lay its eggs. And also, even if it does, it stops the weevil getting through. It sort of goes onto it and goes, oh, I don't like it too much either. Um, right. Now, the great thing is, it only these things only attack the new growth. So if you can protect that new growth until it's hardened up, until you get that darker green colour, then you okay. know, Bob's your uncle, then nothing bad's going to happen. So you need to go and get okay. some of that eco oil and start using it as a preventative, especially when you see a flush of new growth coming out. Okay, great. 
Now, the other thing is, what's the best way to fertilise them? The last time I went to Bunnings, they told me that there's um, there's this great new fertiliser, and it's got, is it potash in it? So, um, one, how much should I use and how often should I be fertilising them? Yeah, look, I'm, I, I don't know exactly about which one that is, and you always yeah. you know, fertilise according to the directions on the on the packet or the, you know, the bags that you've got. Uh, look, yes, right. pot- potash in a fertiliser for citrus is fantastic because it helps promote the flowering and the fruiting. Uh, look, one, right. I, one I always suggest, it's actually a fertiliser for roses. It's called Sudden Impact. Okay. It's completely, it's completely organic. Uh, it's got heaps of potash in it as well, and it uh, is uh, slightly alkaline, which is the same thing citrus and roses like. And it's yep. slow release also, so it's nice and safe to use for the ones that you've got in pots. And uh, look, you just there's a measurement cup in there. You just sprinkle it around, water it in. You do that about every three to four months, and you'll have really, really nice uh, citrus plants. Oh, great! And what was that called again? It's called Sudden Impact. Impact. Yes. Great. Awesome. Thank you very much for that. Not a problem. You have a nice afternoon, Donna. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Now, Scott, at the top of the show, you mentioned your favourite plant. Yes, the spider lily. The spider lily. Why is it your favourite? Well, it's just such a beautiful plant. It's got these beautiful strappy green leaves. It grows in almost the full sun down to the semi-shade. But when you see the flowers come out, they look absolutely spectacular. As pure and white as the driven snow. Really? Yes, but fine like lace. Right. It's like poetry when you're talking I, I about it. I know, I'm talking it up, aren't I? Yeah. <laughs> and they, well, look, I don't know that they look like a spider, but they're certainly very sort of spidery and, and wispy uh, when they come out. And they all of a sudden burst out very, very quickly. Uh, and they'll last maybe a couple of weeks and then they're gone again. But a really special looking plant. It's called uh, Hymenocallus littoralis, is the botanical name. Spider lily. There's a whole that, lot of. That's the, the Latin name as well? Or? Uh, yes, yeah, it is. Yes, yeah, yeah, that botanical name. Yeah, so there's a whole lot of Hymenocallus out there, but um, there's you know, like ones with thicker leaves, but littoralis is the one with a thin, strappy leaf, almost like an agapanthus leaf. Uh, so it can be used like an agapanthus, but I think the flower is far more spectacular than that. Um, like I said, um, pure and white and you know, nice and wispy um, into the semi-shade as well, which agapanthus won't really do very well. So, yeah, that's called spider lily. Uh, very difficult to come by now. but uh, oh, that's, that's a shame. Yeah, not... not uh, well, look, I, I think they're a fantastic plant. Um, perhaps not as uh, yeah readily available as they were in the, you know, the past five years or so. Is that just because they're just not existing anymore? Oh, uh, look, just some growers decided to stop growing them. I'm not sure why, um, you know... They weren't as uh, popular, um, you know, and not maybe because they're not quite as tough, you know, out in the full sun as agapanthus, so yep. not as good for landscaping. Uh, but certainly if you've got that semi-shade position and you want to fill it up with really nice green growth, you know, pretty much year-round and then have this beautiful, um, you know, you know, many, many white flowers come, uh, come out during uh, at this time of year in the humidity after we've had the rain, a really good plant to get. Fantastic, hmm. but a bit rare. A little bit rare now, but if you can get one, go for it. Go mental. You will not be disappointed. <laughs> Should go into business. That's on a, a business idea, perhaps, maybe. Oh, we've always come up with great business ideas here. Always. Yes. We've never gone through with any of them. No, but... no. I mean, we'd be so rich. We wouldn't be here doing it if we'd, if we'd gone through with all our business ideas. I think we would. Still helping we, people. We still would be, wouldn't we? Yeah. That's our altruistic nature. <laughs> we've got Robert now from Curry. What have we got for us, Robert? Oh, good afternoon, uh, Scott. Look, I've got a, a beautiful Dracaena plant. I'm not quite sure the name. It's a dark green with the gold spots on it. Yes, yeah. About a metre tall. But most of the leaves are white, whitish. 
I'm just wondering, does the LED lighting have any effect on it? Wow, that's... Do you think you've heard of that? No, that's nothing I've ever heard of. And it's white, oh. do you, it's white, do you say? Well, it's very, very pale uh, green, if it's, you can call it green. So like it's, lo- like it's lost all its chlorophyll in, in, in yes, a way, yes. Yes, yeah. that's it. Mate, have you got what sort of conditions have you got it in low light at the moment? Obviously, you've got LED lights hanging around. You're not like shining your yeah. head, car headlights on it or anything like that, are you? No, no. no. <laughs> it's only the ceiling lights, the LED, yep, yep. near a big, big sliding door. Okay. And uh, I don't think it'd be the sun on it because we've got tinted windows. Yeah, yeah. And the other, I've got two other pot plants there, perfect, they're lovely green. It's just this piscina. Yes. It doesn't seem to drop many leaves, so I'm not whether it's just because they're old leaves. Uh, look, it could be. Dracaenas, you know, typically do grow out in the full sun. Uh, you know, they're an outdoor plant, but oh. they, are, they are quite, you know, they are quite good inside. And uh, being, I guess that you've got it near that that uh, big bright window is a good thing as well. The other thing I would check on it is to turn those leaves over and make sure there's no scale insects because they'll be there sucking the sap out of the leaf and, and possibly fading it like that. And scale, scale insects or mealybug just look like little white or brown dots yeah, yeah. sort of lurking around on the back of the leaf, and they could be doing the damage that you're describing. Mate, if you want right. to if you want to take some photos, uh, you can certainly email those photos to us, and we helped out uh, someone with their asparagus plant quick smart last week. Greg's going to give you our email address, email address. which is gardening at newcastle.edu.au. No, it's not, yeah. is it? No. It's gardening at 2NURFM.com. Yes, yes, gardening at 2NURFM.com. So please send those photos through to us and we might be able to help you out today with them. Right, well, um, maybe not be today. Okay, that's right, mate. I will try, attempt to do it. And the other thing is I've got two potted roses. One was absolutely beautiful, apricot-coloured rose, perfect rose. I've had them for a few years. The other day I noticed one of them had a few dead leaves on a branch. Yes. The next morning I woke up go outside and the whole rose is dead. Absolutely brown leaves. And the other little pink one, I think it's going the same way, but it's a bit slower, as if someone sprayed them with something. Oh, look, that, mate, is there that's... any reason why they die like that so quickly? For something to die so quickly like that, often it is, you know, it's external. It's, you know, something that has been sprayed on them. Uh, yeah, so, uh, look, you haven't been adding anything to the soil. You've just been watering well, them as normal. Well, well, the only, and I keep the water up to them. Mm-hmm. The only thing I did put some of that um, slow re- release uh, uh, fertiliser pe- um, things on it, the, the little pebble things. Oh, yeah, okay. So that, that, that shouldn't have any effect. Uh, no. Of course, you can't use, uh, you know, like I'd say full strength uh, fertiliser. It's not, you know, like light beer and full strength beer. You can't use full strength beer. Uh, full strength fertilizer on, on on your roses. I'm not sure about the beer. I don't know what's going to happen there. But uh, so you can't use poultry manure, for instance, or you know you go and get no. that that rose food. Uh, they're only for plants that are in the ground, so you have to be careful right. about that. And what would happen then is that it would actually go into the soil. It'd be absorbed up um, by the plant very very quickly and burn it. And it might right. have that that sort of effect that you've had on there, where leaves are dropping and the plant dies very quickly. Um, yeah, well, I don't. I don't it's only the only the the, uh, the release. Um, yeah, like osmocote or nutricote used to be, just yeah, like a tiny little brown sort of. Um, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. It. Okay, now look, they're quite safe to use uh, because you know yeah. the release rate of those is typically you know three to to uh, six months yeah. on those, so very safe to use. You just have to be careful think, about other ones. Yeah. Do you think I could trim the right back and might 
might survive, or do you think it's dead? Uh, look, without seeing it, I don't know. You can start trimming from the, uh, you know, from the top until you get to some green and stop there yes. and see yes. what happens. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's okay. going to be stroke of luck on this one, I guess. Right, okay. Right, I'll, I'll, I'll try to send those photos in. I'm not that used to uh, doing it through emails on my phone, but I'll attempt to do that, Scott. Okay, that'd be fantastic, Robert. We can right uh, help on. you out when we see them. Good on you. Thanks okay, very thanks, much. Okay, thanks, mate. Bye-bye. Right, uh, bye. Thanks, Robert. We've got Shelley now from Western, and she's trying to get rid of lawn grubs. And a good thing to get rid of as well. How bad are they, Shelley? Um, pretty bad. You've got huge ground patches of lawn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it too late to, to treat the grass? Look, or ab- Absolutely not. If you've still got green patches, then you're going to try and save those green patches. So yeah, we've still got a fair bit of greenery yeah. around. Okay, so look, I'd definitely go for it in that case. Uh, you need to go, um, you know, out to um, your garden centre that's close by to you. Where are you at? At uh, Western? At Western. Western, okay. Yeah. So, you know, Heritage Gardens or somewhere like that, they'll be able to help you out. Uh, and you need to get a, a lawn grub killer. Now, there's different ways to apply them. You can get granulars, you can get hose-ons, so you can get ones... Yeah, I've, you... actually, I've actually got granular ones. Yeah, okay. So, look, I, I actually like that one because you can sort of see where you've applied it. Uh, yeah. Now, the, the main thing to do with it is don't do it in the middle of the day when it's hot. Go out in the evening, uh, you know, just on dusk and start using it then and water it in, you know, as according to the instructions. And yep. that's when you're going to get your best result because that's when the grubs have come up to the surface to feed. So you'll definitely get your best result if you go out there later on in the evening and do it. Now, what you also need to do then a couple of days later is go and get some sea salt uh, because sea salt is very good for the root system of plants. Now, you can get a hose on one if you've got a large area. Uh, probably easier to do it that way. And, I think so. Yeah, and you start, start doing that, uh, you know, every couple of days just to try and get that root system uh, you know, building back up on the lawn. And then in a, about two weeks' time, you'd repeat the lawn grub insecticide again in case there's any eggs that have been uh, left in the lawn and they hatch out after about a fortnight. And, okay, and so just, and do I on, do the whole, do all of it where it's still green as well as where it's yeah, browned up? Absolutely. They've already had a good old munch, um, you know, where it's brown. So you need to move on from there. So do the brown bits, but also do the green bits because that's where they're heading to now to have a feed. Okay. Okay, that's okay. fantastic. So, and you should uh, you should definitely get them uh, back under control. There's still some growth, you know. There's still some warmth. We've had some rain, so you, you should get your lawn back uh, by the time we get to winter. Okay, that's fantastic, Scott. Thank you very okay, much. Not a problem at all, Shelley. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, Shelley. Gardening talk back on two and URFM. If you've got a question, four nine two one six two one six, and we've got Bob from Warners Bay. And he's got a question about the mango tree. How can we help you with it, Bob? Uh, hi, Scott. Yes. Um a couple of weeks ago, I was tending my worm farm, and I noticed that uh, an old mango seed had germinated. Mm-hmm. So I pulled it out and uh, stuck it in a pot, and it seems to be going quite well. Yeah, great. But, um, what I was told was that that, uh, that mango tree will never produce fruit. No. Would that be correct? No, that's that's not true. How, how else would have mangoes grown over the time? You know, that's... that's uh... No, if there's a seed and you've got the plant, but the, the truth of it is, though, that it won't produce fruit for about oh, four to five years with a mango. Uh, avocados yeah. are even worse. They'll take uh, nine to 12 years with an avocado tree. So, uh, yeah, with a mango, you're going to wait quite some time for a seed-grown mango to fruit. And that's why the uh, grafted ones have become far more popular, because you'll get... Uh, you know, you get fruit off those almost after the first or second season. In fact, you know, they'll flower up in the pots at the garden centre 
but the main thing is you don't really want them to fruit you know that early anyway you know you want it to put all its growth into yeah. the, into the plant so the fact yeah. that it's not yeah. going to um, you know fruit for you for a couple of years is not actually a bad thing uh, you know they're a ni- they're yeah. a nice tree to have uh, you know they can can get quite large mate so don't let it um, sort of you know take yeah. over your backyard um, but yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Keep it pruned. A really nice, easy plant to prune. You probably keep it to about uh, you know two to three meters in height. You'll get enough mangoes off that. Yeah. Uh, you can tend. Oh, yeah. You can tend to them. Uh, you know, look after them. But uh, yeah, you won't get them for a little while. But definitely, you will get fruit off it after some time. Oh well, that, that's good to know, Scott. Yeah. Because um, the only uh, mango trees I've ever seen have been absolutely massive things. And yes. Yeah. I was a bit concerned about putting it in my yard because it isn't that big. Yeah, look, and, uh, just keep it in there, treat it like a citrus tree and just give it a prune back after it's finished fruiting and uh, it'll come on really nicely and you'll get fruit again next year and it won't get too big for you because, like, you're absolutely right. I've seen them, you know, 12, 15 metres even taller. Uh, mm, you yeah. know, they, they can become quite diabolical. So, uh, yeah, you look, you'll be fine with it. Um, it's, it's great that it's grown for you. Uh, keep it in a pot for probably until next season and just yep. until its root yep. system's established and then you can whack it into the ground and keep it under control there. Oh, that's great. Thanks very much for that, Scott. Not a problem. Really appreciate it. Thank you. You have a nice afternoon. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. We've got Kate from Windermere Park. And, Scott, she's got a question about the ponytail plant. Hey, Kate, how can we help you with it? Hi, Scott. Um, Just one thing. It's it's about three and a half metres tall, and it's growing into the foliage of one of my trees. I was wondering, can I just lop the top off that? Absolutely. And you'll get lots and lots of um, new little shoots coming out from, you know, the the stalk that you leave up there or even from right down at the base. And uh, you'll sort of get a um, multi-headed ponytail palm rather than just a single one. Oh, what single one looks magnificent. (laughs) (laughs) Can I just... Cut those other things off as they grow? Yeah, look, you can certainly. But I guess the nature of it is because you've taken out that main leader, it's going to try and split. So you might want to leave, you know, two or three heads on it to come out. So just say you get some, uh, you know, evenness to it. Yeah, yeah, and some evenness to it, yeah. Okay, well, great. Thanks a lot. Yeah, not a problem. Thanks for that, Kate. Okay, bye. Bye Bye-bye. And we've got Margaret from the Garden Suburb, and she's got a question about a lawn. She's not quite sure if it's beetles or fungus in there. Oh, Margaret, uh, it's a, yeah. what choice yeah, are we going to make? Uh, look, I've sprayed my lawn three times now. I have found black beetles in it. Yes. And I've sprayed it three times, but it's just getting worse and worse. And now, I went out there yesterday afternoon, and it looks terrible. It's just brown. Right, okay. And I don't know if there's a fungus. If someone told me that it was a fungus in the buffalo lawn. Yeah, look, when you get a fungus in a lawn, the, the most uh, common one's called dollar spot, and it just uh, and it looks like little sort of spots like a dollar all over, over your lawn, and they start to spread out a little bit. Uh, but look, at this time, I would think it's army grub or black beetle um, that you've got there. Now, right. tell me about when, how you've been spraying and when you've been spraying. I've been spraying them in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, I've sprayed them. I've put the one on the hose. Yes, yeah. And then yesterday, in sheer desperation, I ended up putting it in a watering can and going over the lawn with a watering can. Okay, and you're doing the whole lawn as well? The whole lawn, yes. 
Yeah, okay. Uh, look, that's the only thing I can suggest. If you want to, you can go and get a fungicide and, and treat for dollar spot. But at the moment, uh, you know, lawn grub uh, and, and black beetle have been quite bad. And what happens is they're eating the root system of the lawn away. So because we haven't had much rain, it's being exacerbated. So you're getting these big, brown, you know, more and more big brown patches. The other thing uh, I'd probably go and do, and we were uh, talking to uh, Shelley from Western about it just before, uh, go and grab some sea salt. Uh, it's very right. good for the root system of plants. You can get a hose on for that as well if you want to. Yeah. And uh, just start feeding the lawn with that. Don't use uh, you know other lawn fertilizers. Just use your sea salt. It's nice and safe and gentle for the lawn. And right. uh, it'll feed up the root system and try and replace you know all those damaged roots that the, uh, that the lawn grub have been destroying on you. Okay. Now, um, what one do you suggest I, I use for the grubs and that look what, what you're going to find is that when you go down to um you know your garden center and have a look on the shelf and you and you read you know they've all got fancy names you know like you know yes. you know lawn grub you know beater or you know something like that you know they've all got these sort of kapow you know biff um goodbye um you know lawn grub but when you look below that big fancy name you'll find that there's a chemical constituent in there, and usually it's chloropyrifos or, uh, you know, maldison or something like that, and you find that all of them are pretty much the same thing. Uh, you know, they're different brands, uh, so different companies have them. They'll just give them a big and fancy name, but generally you find they're all exactly the same. Uh, I always recommend doing the one that you feel most comfortable um, you know, with applying, I've, I use the granular because I can actually see it coming out. It must just be something about me. Um, right. I'm one of the visual thing. Visual. I'm, I'm, I learn by doing. Um, so it must be so, like that. With, so yeah. do I. Yeah, yeah. Uh, last time I put food colouring in it. Oh, good idea. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, <laughs> so, I could, uh, so I could see where I'd been. Yeah. So look, um, it, it's most the, important. The drops, the, uh, the drops were red on the, on the grass. Yeah, yeah. So look, it's most important that you do it. Yeah, like like you're. Are you doing it in the afternoon or later on in the evening at dusk? Um, just late in the afternoon. Yeah, so it's important you do it late in the afternoon around dusk. That's when they come back out to feed. Do the whole lawn. Uh, repeat it again in a couple of weeks' time. And look, just do whichever one you want. Um, right. They they really all will work the same. It's just about the way you apply them and the time you apply them. Okay, then. Thanks, Scott. Not a problem at all. Good luck with it, Margaret. Go grab some of that sea salt as well uh, to yes. give it an extra bit of a, a you know, boost along. A boost along. Yeah. Okay, then. Thanks, Scott. Okay. Cheers. See you later. Bye. I'd hate to walk past Margaret's lawn and seeing all red dots sprayed everywhere on the on the front lawn. Yes, you yeah. Think something's gone Something that's gone horribly wrong. Yeah. yeah, like CSI Garden Suburb should be out there to see what's <laughs> gone on there. <laughs> We've got one, one, one caller. One caller left. One caller left. Enough time, for, we've got enough time for Marilyn from Nelson Bay, and she's got a question about dragon fruits. There'd be, there'd be dragons up there at Nelson's Bay, are there? <laughs> no. How can we help you with it? Marilyn, how can we help you with your dragon well, fruit? Well, uh, last year I had two dragon fruit, and they were red. Yes. Uh, uh, they, were, they were beautiful. This year I noticed the flower was completely white, and the two dragon fruit I've got are both green. Are these still all right? Uh, yes, no, that, that should be all right. Um, so what colours were the flowers previous to that? Because well, I, they were white with a, a red round the edge. Yeah, because I always thought they, they mostly did have, uh, you know, white flowers. Oh, yes, and, and there are some with like a little pink tinge as well that you can get. 
look, I, I, I don't, I can't put my finger on what that would be for you. But have you been getting fruit as well this season? Well, I've only got the two last year, the two beautiful red ones, yeah, and yeah. the flower was ringed ring, ring with red. Yes. Now this one, the flower was beautiful. It's only sort of fully bloomed for one whole day, but yeah. it was a beautiful white flower, completely white. And the two dragon fruit are both green. The, the skin is formed properly, you know, they're, they're yeah. sitting there. I don't know whether to pick it or try and eat it or what, or if it's, the thing is, it's all right now, it's green, not red. And so and do you think it's, um, you know, like re- ripe and ready to eat? Uh, well, I don't know. It's the same it? size. It's grown... They've grown to the same size as the ones last year. It's just yeah. that these, they're gre- uh, green and not red. Someone said there might be something lacking in the soil, or, but I don't know if, the, if green ones are, are, are still dragon fruit. I, I don't know much about dragon fruit. Oh, no, any... no, no, it should be still dragon fruit. Oh, look, I'm sorry, I can't put my finger on, on why that would be the case, why it would have all of, all of a sudden changed colour like that No, why, why, yeah. well, it, they're different. Like, they're not the same as last year. They're yeah, different yeah. places, but... They're, they're just green. Yeah, no, look, I'm, I'm sorry if, it, if it's the same plant and, you know, it should be doing the same thing, but, uh, yeah, maybe it's just the, the weird weather we've had. It's been very dry. Um, yeah, look, I'm sorry I can't put that my finger on that one for you. <laughs> okay. Okay, no, but just, uh, let us know. Pick yeah, I mean, them and eat them and hope for the best. Well, that's it. If you, if you pick them in a couple of weeks' time, eat them and tell us if it, uh, if it still tastes the same. <laughs> okay. Okay. Sorry about that, Marilyn. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Bye-bye. It's not going to be poisonous, is it? No, no, just I can't. No, no, no. I don't think we've. No, we haven't poisoned Marilyn. There's nothing to worry about like right, that. Just no. want to make sure that there's nothing. No, all's well. All's well. Everything's above board. Well, everything's above board. <laughs> Scott Sharp, we're almost out of time for another week. But do you want to talk about the hot lips plant that you were mentioning earlier? Oh, yes. Yeah, look, it's a, a spreading petunia. It uh, does look quite uh, spectacular. It's white with uh, very strong striking pink on it, uh, sort of striped across the flowers. Uh, fantastic in a pot trailing down with those nice trailing petunias. Uh, if you've got a really full sun position, uh, that's the place to have it uh, and very, very easy to look after. If they do become a bit straggly for you, you just give them a light prune back and uh, they'll reflush for you and they'll just keep on going all throughout uh, the year. Um, you know, you probably won't get very much flowering through winter, but certainly the plant will survive and be ready to flourish for you again uh, when you get to spring and summer. Excellent. Yeah. So it's effort now. Effort now. Rewarded later. Absolutely. And that's how everything should be in life. Exactly. Yes. Bit of effort early, rewarded later. That's how it should be. Fantastic. Scott Sharp, we're out of time. Okay. We'll talk to you next week. No worries. We've missed the zebra plant. Oh, and our spider, my spider as well. What spider? Oh, yeah. Well, you don't have spiders. Yeah. Well, we don't have spiders. We'll we'll, we'll leave that. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.